Greetings, Blenders, and welcome to episode number 46 of Real Blend, a podcast that's partially followed by Martin Scorsese on Instagram. Only partially, though. We have so much show to get to, I barely have time to get through introductions, but I have to take the time to introduce myself. No Facebook feed this time. We are recording this late, late at night because all three of us have been living in movie theaters trying to catch as many Oscar contenders as possible. But if you've been tuning into all of our episodes from 1 through 46 when we started as Awards Blend and transitioned to Real Blend, you know that I am Sean O'Connell, Managing Director here at Cinema Blend, and I am joined as always by my amazing friends Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Kevin, how are you, sir? Good evening, Sean. And yeah, I just got a message from Sean on my phone that uh, his number one film of the year is officially Venom. So thank you very much for uh, sending me that information early. Did you watch that romantic comedy trailer that they did of Venom? No, No, I missed that. Did did you see Venom (laughs) made more money than Wonder Woman? Oh, yeah. It's crushing. It's crushing. It's what? Yeah, it may get to a billion. I don't know if it's open in China yet. But if it, if yeah, it hasn't it, yeah, opened it opened in, in China. China. It opened oh, in China it? already. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's Jake, insane. That is Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Jake, even at this late hour, you are one of the most handsome men I've ever seen in my life. Good luck. Oh, keep going. <laughs> uh, we have, as I said, a million things to get to uh, because we've been seeing a number of, of these incredible films that are going to be contending in the Oscar race. It's, it's the end of the year. It's the push. We're through Thanksgiving um, we're getting into December. December is packed, not just with awards contenders, but also blockbusters. We can talk about a few of them. We can't talk about others. We will give you some recommendations. We will talk about uh, National Board of Review has released. They're one of the first ones to sort of give us an idea of the direction of where the Oscar race is heading. Uh, we have some news to get to. And we are going to continue a conversation that we started on podcast last week of directors who we think get the best performances out of actors, and I gave it some thought and came up with what I think is a really great choice, but this was a really fun exercise, so I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. Um, and then, of course, we're going to play a blend game, which we play every single week. This week happened to be dedicated to Sylvester Stallone, and had, we had some great uh, people who played along on social media. This was Which a, is interesting, because when reaction. you announced it last week, my yeah. first thought was, this is you not going to do it. well. Yeah, you hated it. I, I wasn't a fan. Why did you not think it would do well? I just don't feel like he's really had that much of a wide variety of massively beloved performances. So I just really thought it would be between a couple. But yet, did you take a look at the social reactions? Because they're all over the place. I did. They're all over the place. People have a lot of favorites from Stallone. So before we get to... I mean, and and the best part about like last week when you announced like Stallone blend is I, I, I love that at the end of the show, we announced that because it really is a great cliffhanger. For the next week's yeah. show, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish we knew we were doing that. This, this I, podcast I is getting have, rocky. I would have a better one up there. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, Come before on. we get to the news of the day, uh, we have one review. So I'm very happy about that. We are up to 66 star ratings for those who are keeping track at home. We're going to reach 100 by uh, January 1st. Uh, this is from Sasquatch54, who put uh, Love These Guys as his subject. I've been following Kevin on Twitter for a while, only recently discovered this. Now I follow you guys. That was hey. a whole review, and uh, I'll take it. That works. I'll take it. Thanks very yeah. much. Uh, episode 46, we're coming up on number 50. Uh, we want to do something really fun and special and unique and different for 50. Uh, don't know yet what it's going to be, but we have a couple ideas cooking. Um, I'm going to be in St. Louis soon with Gabe, and we're going to pull some meetings together and, and come up with some really fascinating ideas. Uh, you know, it, when people don't realize, we're actually recording this podcast in the evening, like it's like nine fifty where I am. Sean is same thing. Yep. Uh, Jake is the same thing. And you know, not in honor the same of, thing. Uh, 
But uh, oddly enough, in honor of Stallone blend, uh, oh we God. normally we oh normally God. do we normally do this during the daylight. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> The tunnel movie. Remember the tunnel film? I keep, I keep coming up with Copland, and that doesn't fit into anything. I, I, I just want to keep screaming ants. Yeah, but see, we have ants. I'm, I'm yeah. telling you, I'm telling Screw you, Sean. You in, in order to get these puns right, you got to be really driven. That was a race movie, race car movie that uh, Stallone made. Remember yeah. that movie, Driven? Early, earlier this week, uh, after we recorded episode number forty-five. Uh, Disney dropped. Oh, okay, so so Disney is now unleashing all of the trailers for the movies that they're going to be bringing in 2019. Artemis Fowl uh, was released. We don't really have to talk about that. Uh, there was the live action Lion King. We're going to talk about that in a second. There's a rumor. So we're recording this on t- what day is today? Tuesday. Tuesday, November Tuesday? 27th. Tuesday evening, and there's a rumor that the Avengers four trailer is going to drop tomorrow. I saw that. <sighs> Which makes the timing of this podcast horrendous. <laughs> well, we had really good timing with Toy well, Story. We can't nail it every single time. Why don't we? Why don't we pretend like like right now? Let, let's pretend like how would we react to this trailer if right. we had seen it by this point? Okay. Like, what are you? What are you guys expecting in this trailer? Will, will we see? Footage? Oh my god! I can't believe will, Tom Hanks is in it. Yeah, will it, no, will, will it be a teaser? Will we get any imagery of any of the characters who disappeared? Or will it be I don't a, think it's going to tell us anything. It, it might be like a montage of what happened in, in Avengers Infinity War and right. then like some type of stinger. I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're going to show real footage. I think it's going to be a big, splashy, two-and-a-half-minute trailer. No way. You think so? Foot- yep, I think the Russos, are. they know they have gold. And if you go back and watch the trailer for Infinity War that dropped this year, that freaking thing ended with Downey crying from the end of Infinity War. Now, you didn't know at the time what you were looking at, but they showed significant amount of of, uh, footage from that film. Oh my God! We need to do trailer blend at some point. Oh yeah! Like best, Ooh, best trailer. That's a good idea. Because I I, it's funny. Like 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 I think it could be an interesting conversation because right when you mentioned Infinity War to me, the shot that I immediately go to from that trailer was Cap holding up uh, uh, on on onto the Infinity Gauntlet from Thanos and yeah. just like screaming. And like that image was so ingrained in my head from the trailer. Um, we we got to do trailer blend one time because okay. I, I already know mine, so I'm curious what you guys would pick, but uh, that would be a fun I'd have to really think about it. I'd be super I loved, curious. I, to me, I think I, it would probably be a Star Wars trailer of some ooh, sort. Yeah. Uh, Your mine's great. great. Mine's, mine's pretty random. Mine's actually from the 90s. It's Don't give very it random. Don't I, well, save well, it. It's random, though. We'll play it. Jake, you have an idea? I had one to, that that came to mind. I don't think it's going to be it, so I'll just say it. Did you guys ever see the trailer for the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in theaters? Yes. And do you remember yes. where in the theaters you heard the girl screaming, and she started screaming on your right and ran all and like it was it was all yeah. black. So the, the the theater was pitch black, and she ran all the way around you screaming, and That's then all awesome. of a sudden to your right you heard a door open and you heard footsteps go all the way around the theater and all no. of this was while it was in pitch black it oh was God, no. an amazing trailer and one of the best usages of the surround sound system i've ever seen i, I think one of the best it. one of the best i ever saw was probably face off and i remember it was it was just a teaser and it started on 
uh, John Travolta's face, and it was a single shot, and he's like explaining that he has to track down this guy, Caster Troy. Oh, and yeah. Then the, remember, yeah. the camera spins around, and then all of a sudden, as it comes back around, you're on Nick Cage's yeah. face, In and order it's to still Travolta's him, voice. I must become him. I must become him. That or Spider-Man's initial trailer. Oh, the, um, uh, the that, that had the two tap. Yeah, that trailer, which by the way is nowhere online officially anymore, unfortunately, I'll never forget it because if people who who hadn't seen it for the first Tobey Maguire Spider Man Sam Raimi uh, his film, the trailer was a teaser of Spider Man catching a helicopter of villains in between the two towers of the spider web, and it was like this epic like pull out shot, and I remember I think they pulled it right immediately after nine eleven, mm-hmm. like it was like and and then also if you remember I worked in a movie theater then. Training Day was supposed to come out the week of 9-11, and I, they pushed that back to, like, a couple weeks later. I'm, I'm, I'll never forget that specifically in regards to the trailers. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to think about there, but just the trailers. And little did we know how much Dick Cheney was doing on September 11th. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And we know that yeah. now because we've all seen Vice, but can't talk about it yet. Can't, can't talk, talk about it It's yet. a film. It exists. It is a film that we have seen. Uh, we are here to talk about the Lion King trailer. We can't talk about that, though. Um, this is... Partial footage of what Disney has been showing at places like D23, and they brought it to CinemaCon uh, when what they did, showed this What footage. was different from what you saw? Because you were at uh, Just CinemaCon. a much longer, it, it, it's basically the opening. It's still just the circle yeah. of life scene, but much longer. I'd say- what, Was the special effects minute. better in the trailer than what you saw? Has it been improved since, or does it look pretty similar? Hard to tell because when I watched it at CinemaCon, it was on a bi- in a big screen in an auditorium, yeah. and I was like far left balcony, high up. So but but if it's not computer, so obvious, I mean, it, it, so it's not like it's been changed a lot. No, 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 no. It's essentially that um, more shots of animal reactions, more shots of the build up to um, what's the Pride Rock to Pride yeah. Rock. More shots of Simba sort of getting past. More shots of them holding him. They didn't show the ending of um, older. Uh, what was that? Was that older I Simba? I, I took that, that as Simba. I I took that as uh, James Earl Jones's character, but I think you're right. I, I, maybe I think it was Simba. Simba, because okay. he says like, "Remember who you are," and then it shows yes. Simba roaring. Okay, to, so uh, to me, great tease. You know, gives a really good idea of. What the live action is going to look like still didn't show off. It's not live action characters. John. Not live action. That's, wait, what, that's I, my question. They is did this not live train those freaking monkeys to hold a lion up wait. on a rock. It's not live action. It's computer animation. It's so, so computer it, it animation. The, well, well, now here's the thing. So, Jungle Book, Favreau's last film, that had literal live action. Because there's a there's a human in it. There's a so, human person. And if I remember Lion King correctly, there's no human being in not the a, story. Not a one. They're all eaten. Right. So I wonder, yeah, does this, does, is this an animated film? That's or really, is it's, it's another animated, it's a, I've been calling it a remake. It's a remake. It's another animated That's film. That's really interesting. But it's falling into a trend of Disney doing live action versions of their anime. Like Beauty and the Beast is a live action version, even though the clock and the candelabra and of course the beast themselves, they're, they're CGI. Have you guys seen, um, and, and again, not, not to step into this in, re- in any regards, any spoiler wise, because this is all. This is there are trailers out there for it. I, Mufasa I saw, dies. Well, no, I saw Spider Man into the Spider Verse um, earlier this week, which I'm so um, jealous of because I'm dying about, to see that. 
Question about that movie, just just from a visual standpoint from the trailers, that animation looks interesting. And I don't know what it is, if some of it's hand-drawn and or fully CG, because if you look closely at the animation, there's lines in it, like a comic book, if you look yeah. at the trailers. Um, I mean, That's I another think thing we can step into. Yeah. I mean, I animation um, is animation, though, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah it, it's not like stop motion. It's just they right. th- that's their design to it. They went with comic yeah. book panels and what looks to be really bright, vivid colors and amazing reaction shots. And I, I, I don't see it till Saturday, so I'm I'm super excited to see it. But I know Kevin can't Ga- talk about it. I can't talk about it yet. But Gabe just texted us about motion performance capture. Yeah, I don't know. If I, I know for a fact in Jungle Book that, like, for example, I believe Bill Murray played the bear physically yeah. on set. Yeah. I mean, I, but I remember I'll never forget John interviewing John Favreau for that movie. And if you watch that scene closely, when 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 um, uh, the characters on top of the bear and like the, the, doing the splashing, like Favreau was the one who was underneath in the water splashing the kid with the water. Yeah, I don't. I wonder if anyone in this film did performance capture. Like, do you think Donald Glover did performance capture? Oh no, Beyonce, the, you guys don't know this. Andy Serkis plays every character. <laughs> right, 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 right. He's everyone. <laughs> yeah, I believe you're mistaken because I believe it's Kevin's mom <laughs> that plays every character. <laughs> <Right, right. laughs> and, and my dog uh, is getting very excited about so that. So we haven't seen Scar. We haven't seen Timon and Pumbaa. Like, there's still reveals, you know, to come for it. But in seeing it, the the takeaway from a lot of people was, you know, original Lion King is extremely popular. You add people like Donald Glover, Beyonce, you know, people with huge followings. This one could potentially be the Disney behemoth of 2019. Do you guys see that or no? No question. I mean, doesn't Avengers count as a Disney behemoth? Star Wars 9. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, it's going to make all the monies, but not not as much monies as uh, Avengers or uh, Episode Nine. Interesting, Kevin. Well, two questions. Don't, One, don't, I saw an, Gabe I, gave me Gabe gave me the the old uh, the old hand Gabe's, wave. Don't be, Gabe's be on old. board. Gabe is on well, board. He's also drinking. If anyone notices, Gabe is the only one <laughs> drinking during this podcast. Some of us have to work tomorrow, that? Gabe. <laughs> well, two things. Two things. One, um, the trailer broke record, so it was it was viewed two hundred and twenty four point six million times in the first twenty four hours, which I believe that's pretty good. Is a second massive place. record for them. Second place, and then second battle yeah, what? Avengers: Infinity War. Oh really? yeah, no kidding. It, it was it was fourteen million short. Hmm. Second second question, I saw a tweet about this, so I don't know if this is the case. Do you think any of James Earl Jones' dialogue from the original Lion King will be used in this one versus having him re-record I think lines? he just re-recorded everything. You think so? I yeah. Wonder. I don't know. Is he kind of feeble? Can he... I will say his Darth Vader sounded different in Rogue One. It did. I yeah. think so. And, and he, there, was, there was one line in the trailer that he delivers differently in the trailer than he does in the movie. I would hate if it's just a yeah, mirror. Yeah, and that's the thing. So, so, I mean, I feel like we're going to get... Also, I feel like the lines are going to be different. It's not going to be the exact same script. Yeah. There are going to be some lines it, that have to be. But if it's a famous line, like, do you think that they will then take it from an old recording? And the other thing is... and I, mean, why I, wouldn't I, they, right? Yeah. See, I say, I say, why would they? Yeah, just you have keep the consistency it. of the... Like, don't you think Pixar, as an example, don't you think Pixar has a soundboard of Tim Allen going, Woody! Like, and they just yeah. have to push one button, and he gives that reaction. Like you don't have to have Tim Allen come back in and do that every single time. You know what's interesting to me, uh, and I still think it think this to this day. You know the sheer horror of that sequence in the first Lion King when the father dies. Yeah, um, 
I, I still can't believe that's in a kid's film, which is crazy. And I wonder, do you think they will tame that down now in, in, in today's day and age? I don't know. That, that, when we were having a conversation behind the scenes here at Cinema Blend of like singling out moments from the original that we're dying to see, the stampede was the one that everybody talked about. Yeah. Like just yeah. how are you going to yeah. pull that off? It's a really yeah. harrowing scene. And yes, I mean, if they do it in this pseudo live action CGI and it's more and like that that baby Simba is adorable yeah, and if I know if he's in any kind of danger I may storm the screen with a pitchfork yeah. so yeah I don't know I don't know we'll see but there's a, there's also to me a, a couple of songs in Lion King that are dated you know they don't really necessarily hold up and I think you can trim a few of them away like what um a lot of the well they they, they cut stuff. be prepared they already confirmed that be prepared is not good oh be really it. yeah. Here, there's actually a really interesting article in the in the uh, Washington Post. I don't know. And I the, need and Hakuna Matata. I mean, Hakuna, I do, do you, you think you they're going to cut song. Hakuna Matata? They won't cut it. I'm just Who saying. Who are think you? I need it, it means no worries. Now, <laughs> Circle Will, of Life is a song. Will Elton John re-record his songs? Well, he, they recorded new songs, didn't they? Yes. I think but Circle did. of Life will that be a new recording? It sounded uh, like the old circle, but that but that wasn't that wasn't Elton John singing it in the original one, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there is an Elton John version, but that's oh. but in the movie that's not him singing it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a woman right. singing it. I think you're right. Yeah, that's true. It's but more there like is an Elton John tribal. version. It's more like a tribal version. Yeah. So by the way, there's a there's an article in the <coughs> Washington Post that says the Lion King's remake trailer confuses the internet. Just what is live action anymore? Everyone's everyone's debating this. Like, well, is this live action? And I don't think it is. Well, listen, <laughs> poor James Wan. James Wan tweets after the thing drops, and he's like, I can't believe I just saw a live-action version of my favorite animated movie, uh, Lion King Looks Amazing. And then, like, a few hours later, he had to get back on and be like, you're right, guys, I'm really sorry, it's not really live-action. Because he probably just got shouted down by trolls on social media. Leave well, James Wan alone, he's a huge director. <laughs> I did think we were getting a live-action Lion King, though. I Actually, that's what I thought we were getting, so I... I it's funny. I don't know what I'm would be live action, but just I'm as in, like you thought that they were going to train a baboon to hold a lion up over you, his head. Have you seen two thousand one? I mean, Stanley Kubrick did good with the monkeys on that one. Remember yeah, the monkeys in that those, film? Those were humans and monkeys. Do you remember when too. you guys called John Favreau no. cheese? Pizza? I honestly could. John Favreau is a respected director who I think you guys undersell. By the way, no, I I called him cheese pizza and. I'm sorry, you don't get pepperonis for remaking <laughs> a movie that was already great. from a live-action Lion King, which I will continue to call just to annoy Jake, um, to The Mandalorian, a, a new live-action Star Wars series, and uh, I think that he is a force to be reckoned with. So. I, here's the deal. I, I like John Favreau. I'm not knocking John Favreau. Yeah. It's just that like he's never made anything for me where I went, oh my God, he is now like, I can't wait to see the new John Favreau movie. I hear his name and I wait. think, okay, it's going to be competent, competently directed, but at no point do I think, holy crap, it's opening weekend for the new John Favreau movie. I've got to go see. <laughs> wait, Jake, did you just say he's never made anything you've liked? <laughs> Gabe, can I have some of your alcohol, please? <laughs> Didn't he direct the sequel to Swingers? It was called Made. He did. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, so let's get to Rising and Falling. And in this segment, we like to talk about awards contenders that are making some ground, some that we're finally getting a chance to see that are slipping away. And we finally have a group giving out their trophies, which, again, like I sort of said earlier, gives us a, a clearer picture of where. 
I mean, not that they're necessarily the national border review is a, a bellwether for what is going to contend. But at this time of year, all of these films are really just desperately trying to hold on uh, in the conversation because there's so many films that are coming out and so many that are sort of jockeying for lead positions. And so National Border Review names Green Book as their best picture of 2018. Sorry, I got confused for a second there. Uh, every time that this one comes out, because it's the first one, it's at the end of November, you assume that there are some movies for uh, December that maybe they haven't seen yet. I'm going to assume, so Vice didn't make their list. I'm going to guess that they got a chance to see it before they uh, voted, because yeah. they do have Mary Vice, Poppins on here. Vice screened like last week for a lot of press. There was oh, like, I saw I saw reactions of people saying they were seeing it. So, okay. I mean, we all saw it today. But I'm almost certain that um, that that people that they, they would have have to have seen that. Why would you release that list without seeing it? Uh, you know, that happens. The L.A. film critics and the New York film critics sometimes will give their list out early. And like with Scorsese with Silence, when he was holding on to Silence yeah. for the longest time, um, sometimes they just have to announce their awards before they get a chance to see everything that comes but out. I feel like that movie since it screened last week, somebody had to have seen that from that, that organization. Um, you know. What I was most surprised at was Bradley Cooper got uh, Best Director for Star Wars. Awesome. It's great, but I mean, this is a first-timer, which I, I would assume that's going to count against him. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll With the Oscars? With the Oscars. But I feel like they love when actors direct, though. Okay, but first-timers? Do you think they're going to give it to a first-time? My, my thing with Bradley Cooper is that no one else has really stood up and said, no, it's me and not him. Exactly. Well, as, Alfonso Cuaron. I Cuaron. I love Cuaron and I'm a huge Roma fan and I know Kevin's with me too. I can make the case for why people wouldn't vote for him uh, yeah, but, this year. Sean, you're, you're being a complete Bradley party pooper right now. Okay. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know why you're, you're hating on stars born directing. I don't know. I was, I was surprised to see him in there, <laughs> but yet at the same time, I guess if like Peter Farrelly got it, I would have been just as shocked. Yeah. I'm thinking. So let's go through actor. They got Viggo Mortensen for green book. They got lady Gaga for stars born. Kevin, you brought him up, I think, in the previous one. Sam Elliott wins for Best Supporting yes. Actor. Yes. Which is That great. performance. I rewatched Stars One the other night. That performance is unbelievable. Um, I think it's hands down the best supporting performance I've seen from an actor this year so far. Um, there are multiple scenes that I can point out that, like, every time you think of an Oscar uh, nomination, you think of the scene they will have on screen. He has like 10 of them. Okay, so let, let's go I mean, going through some of them. The backup sequence when, when Bradley Cooper tells him about his voice. Uh, the dialogue about the 12 notes. Um, the yeah. an artist That's, telling that'll him. That'll be his clip. That'll be his clip. Or what about the clip where um, where uh, Bradley shows up and 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 finds out that uh, what happened to his father, right? And then and like he punches Sam Elliott, which is in the trailer. Okay, like let me ask you something, though. And they're head-to-head. It's like a great sequence. Is his limited screen time going to hurt him? Because if He's going up against someone like a Mahershala Ali or a Timothy Chalamet who were in the supporting category, but borderline elite performance. Mahershala is so good. I mean, I mean, will, is good. Will, will someone say that Sam Elliott for his, and I think it's really only like nine or 10 minutes of screen time. I think Chalamet is out of the conversation. I don't think that movie is so? at all. Oh, I, I think Chalamet. Gets I think Chalamet. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I, that movie. Wait, you, you don't think he gets nominated? Oh, he definitely gets nominated. Oh, he gets 100%, 100%. Gets nominated. Yeah, let's 100%. say that it's let's say it's um, Sam, uh, Sam Elliott. Let's say Sam Rockwell. it's Mahershala Ali. 
I think Corel. I think Corel's in. Do you think Corel over what Rockwell? Movie? For Vice. I think Corel for Vice. Oh, I think, yeah. I, actually, I do agree with you. I think Corel, I think. Cor- so I'm at three. I'm at three. I'd, not, have, I, I'd have to think about it. I want to say these are guesses because we can't oh, speak on the film. Uh, we just, uh, but but based on trailers alone, um, Rockwell and Corel, that, I'm curious which one they go with. Because they're, really they're both. Uh, we'll see what happens but I here's the thing I mean like like the argument about the screen time I mean we all know the famous story about Anthony Hopkins winning lead actor for Silence and the Lambs for being on screen for what like 17 minutes or something like yeah. that so um, and listen, Judy I, Dench for Shakespeare in Love I think she has I mean it, no it has happened time. I'm just saying that when a guy sits down to to put his name or put you know put a little check mark next to the name or however it is they do it do, do you really think that they're going to look at what Mahershala Ali did or Timothy Chalamet and say they're lesser than than Sam. Now Mahershala Ali just won, right? Exactly. Uh, so that counts against him. We always talk about that. People might see this as an opportunity to reward Sam Elliott for a lifetime. Yeah. Oh, just I I very much want to live in a world where I'm not knocking Sam Elliott. I'm just talking. I'm playing devil's advocate. I would love to live in a world where Sam Elliott has mm-hmm. an Oscar, especially yeah. that for this sequence. Movie. That sequence when uh, when Bradley punches him and they're face to face. Yeah. And I I mean Sam Elliott's performance in that film. It, it, I've ne- I don't I don't think I've ever seen somebody act truly from the heart like that. Like it was like it was literally I don't know. It just felt like a performance that just was once in a lifetime for an actor great. like that. No, it's I, great. I, I think he deserves it. I, and I, a I National Board of Review recognition like this again just sort of helps his case, right? Keeps yeah. him in the conversation, pushes him forward. Um, let's run through some of the things that we've been able to see that we can talk about. Wait, 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 wait. What about best? We got we got to mention best picture. That's a big deal. Well, Green Book, right? Yeah, yeah but, yeah. but, but that, that, that's kind of a big surprise, right? Um, so I saw a tweet where somebody said it's it feels like this was a surprise. They said the but three it, contenders right now for Best Picture, the three movies that they could argue <clears throat> have a have an actual chance of winning: Green Book, Star is Born, and Rome. the third one they put in was Black Panther. You know what? I actually I was talking to Lauren about this the other day. I would not be mad at that one. No. And I, I and I honestly think like I was talking to Lauren about it. I was like, I don't think Black Panther's the best movie of the year. I really don't. But it's in my it's in my top ten right now, currently. I think I would be okay if that won Best Picture. Kevin, are you able to tell me at the very least, knowing what you know about me, whether Spider-Verse is gonna make my top ten? Hundred and fifty million times percent. It's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, but I mean, again, I can't say anything about the film. I know, but, I, I, but knowing you and knowing how close you are to Spider-Man, I would have told you the same thing before I even saw it. So this but is I'm, nothing. I to already do with have the two movie. superhero movies in my top ten. I can't have three. I feel I'm not like saying. What's the I second? Is, is Black Panther in your top ten? Black Panther's in my top ten. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah, it is. I, I actually I drafted. Yeah. I drafted a top ten the other day of, of of my current top ten, and right now it's pretty much still the same. Um, so we'll see. But Go, going back green, to, to Green Book with with the National Board of Review, keep in mind yeah. this is also the same company, the same company, same organization that put uh, the bucket list on their top ten a few years Ooh. ago. So. They have a history for sort of liking a little bit more of the schmaltzy kind of, uh, you know. I think they're an older group, aren't they? Primarily an older group. Which is arguably the target audience for Green Book. They had The Post last year, right? The Post was the winner? Yes. Which was my number one movie of the year, so I'm not going to argue with it. But that skews a little bit older. I can understand that. I think we all agree (laughs) that Green Green Book is a good movie. Yeah. But I don't think any of us 
were were blown away by it. And I, it's and it's I perfectly think, pleasant. Agreed. Okay, it's, let it's, me. It's it's good. It's let me ask you a question: good. If Green Book ends up being our winner for Best Picture, are you guys gonna be mad? I would be upset if it won Best Picture. I will just in my mind, I will think, okay, this is gonna be one of those that we look back on in ten years and go, what did we do? Sure. Exactly. Sure. Like, like, like to me, Green Book is in the same category as like King's Speech or um, The Artist where and, and, and I only bring those movies up only because they're films that won Best Picture that while they were very good movies. Yeah. Had no, in my opinion, uh, way of changing the game of films like, like Green Book is a very good movie. We all can agree upon that. Yeah, it has fun. great messages. It's, it's well shot. The it's performances fun. are great. Yeah, it's very, very, very well done. But like Jake just said, I think I agree 100%. That one best picture, I think the word upset maybe is the wrong word. I would just be like, I would be like, there's so I'd many. I'd be disappointed. Uh, yeah, because yeah, also so think about what it would films. say about the Academy, because it would say that yeah. we're not progressing beyond this generic image of what a best picture is. I mean, like sure. if Green Book won 30 years ago, I'd go, all right, well, that's the sort of movie they, they I mean, like, you know, it's Driving Miss Daisy, Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture. But, I mean, if we're like, I, you know, one of the reasons I would have loved for Get Out to win earlier this year is if what it would have said about how, how progressive the Academy is becoming and that they're accepting more movies like that. And I feel like okay. Green Book will be a step back. I want to read the, the, the top 10 films by National Board of Review um, in addition to, so they have Green Book as their best picture, then they name 10 additional ones. I want to point out some of them specifically. Well, I'll read all of them. So Bust, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. These are in alphabetical order. Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Panther, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Eighth Grade, First Reformed, If Beale Street Could Talk, Mary Poppins Returns, A Quiet Place, Roma, and A Star is Born. Um, love that Eighth Grade is on there. Love that Black Panther's on there because the more groups that recognize it gives it credibility. Right. right. And remind people that they need to see it. Have you seen the Black Panther screener? That thing is awesome. It's beautiful. Like it's it's like I mean it is it is epic. And I've been I've been saying this since since February when, whenever we saw it, Michael B. Jordan. Like and, and oh God, going back to the Sam Elliott discussion. Yeah. That's the only person I would rather see it win over Sam over Sam Elliott is, is Michael B. Jordan. That is the one nomination that I am literally praying for this year i i want that to happen i i think and i and i'm a little worried about it but if you look at the back of the of the screener cover yeah it's this amazing photo of michael b jordan crying as killmonger and the quote below it is literally what i've been saying for months that he finds this balance of being a relatable person but he's this murderer so like i Man, I would love, love to see him get nominated. I'm just. Oh yeah, we were talking. We were talking supporting actor. Well, would, could he get? He could get a nomination. Sure, that's what that's I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He, he's the only person over Sam Elliott that I'd want to see get nominated. I want to point out one movie that is not on that list. Again, doesn't really matter. National Board of Review is not the Academy. Uh, First Man, not mentioned. Feel like it's slipping away. Yeah, it's done, man. I think it's done. I mean, it might get a push from some other critics groups that that want to show it some love, but. It just didn't feel like it got embraced. It, that 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 still angers me, and I, I'm not really a, an angry or a hateful person. But what happened in that film genuinely makes me mad. Yeah, you think uh, the controversy and, and, swept it up? Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. That yeah. film, that film was 
dead on the spot when that happened, unfortunately. I, I, I think I even told you guys that. I think what I remember texting you guys when that controversy hit, and I was like, guys, I think this movie's done. You're like, no. Nah, I, I mean, I to be fair, I think it was done because it wasn't really super embraced by audiences. It didn't do well at the box office. And while it seems like <clears throat> it, critics liked it, critics didn't love it. I mean, that's, a, that's an example of, I honestly think that the Rotten Tomatoes score being higher than critics actually really liked it. Because yeah, boy- I loved it and you loved it, Kevin, but I don't know a ton of people that loved it. But the boycott in that thing was really big, and we all know it. We all <laughs> yeah, saw but the sort of people Twitter that feeds. boycott it are, are the exact opposite of the sort of people that vote for the academy. They're the exact opposite type of people. I just, I, I'm just mad about what happened to that film. I really am. Yeah, it's, wow. it, 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 it's it's truly an incredible film, and I think Damien Chazelle did a brilliant job with it. I think Justin Hurwitz's score. I, I hope that at least maybe Hurwitz's score gets nominated. Hope First Man gets maybe a Best Picture nomination, but this has been one of the best years for cinema I've ever seen. Like it, it's it's so hard to like figure out what's going to be in the top ten. That's why I kind of like it. Don't you guys like the fact that it's November or December and we have no idea? What's gonna oh, this is I think the most interesting uh, Oscar race uh, and in many categories in a long time because yeah. every movie that was supposed to come along and challenge A Star Is Born hasn't. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. actually fascinating. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, it really is interesting to think Which about. Which either like, means that's the front runner, or these other films are going to feel like, hey, we got a shot if we yeah. just give ourselves the push that we kind of need yeah. going into this one. Uh, this week's movie opening up, we're kind of in a lull outside of Thanksgiving and waiting for a lot of the December ones to come. Possession of Hannah Grace. Did either of you guys see Possession of Hannah Grace? No, but the favorites no. opening Yeah, but see, the favorites in, opening in Chicago. Oh, yeah. is it? All right, let's talk about that really briefly because I walked out of that. <laughs> I walked out of that movie, and uh, I don't care for his foot. So I knew going into the favorite that I don't like Yorgos Lanthimos's films. I didn't like The Lobster. Uh, I liked Dogtooth a little bit, but I didn't love it the way everybody else did. Then I didn't like The Lobster, and then I hated Sacred Deer. Killing of a sacred, see, sacred deer. deer almost made my top 10 list. Oh, I hated that movie so much. And when I hated it so much that when I left it, I said, I'm never going to see one of his movies again. I just, I'm, they're not for me. I'm not going to tolerate them. But I was in Savannah for their film festival and the evening meet, the evening movie was the favorite. And I thought, okay, you know what? I'm really intrigued to see like what Emma Stone is going to do in a Yorgos Lanthimos film. And I made it halfway through. And I thought, nah, I can't, I can't. That, I just gotta, I gotta get out. Sean, yes. Sean, yeah. I implore you to revisit it. He implores it's, you, it, Sean. He implores you. Is that the right word for no, that? No, it's a great, sure. well, it's just a great yeah, word. I just never use it. I, I love it. I'm not making fun of you. I think it's a great word. You said word. it's gonna make your top 10. It's in my top 10 right now. Fascinating. Oh yeah, the film was brilliant. Oh, well, first of all, you can't hate it. You haven't seen it. You haven't I seen hated what I watched. I disliked what mm, I watched. I, well, here's the thing. So, yeah. Dude, uh, if he didn't like the first half, he's not gonna like the second half. <laughs> I think the favorite is such a re- a relief when it comes to quote unquote period piece films. Um, it is so different from anything I've ever seen in that type of cinema. Uh, the way he uses lenses, the fisheye lenses, the whip pans. This guy is like Wes Anderson level camera work character style. What I mean by that is he uses his camera as a leading character very similarly to what Wes Anderson died. I remember seeing like Moonrise Kingdom and like there's like this shot in the house where the camera's like whip panning into each room. And I just, I love when a filmmaker can do that, but they have to do it right. And you're talking about 
some of the deepest scope shots I've seen all year. I mean, these shots are massive. Like mm-hmm. you'll you'll be sitting in a room with like Olivia Coleman and Emma uh, Stone and um, Rachel Vice, and they'll be like. 10 feet of headroom uh, below their, while they're on frame. And there's just so much to take in in the frame. And on top of that, just the music, the, the it's, it's, a, it's a horror film at times. I mean, this is a battle going on between these two characters, Emma and Rachel's character, trying to fight for the favoritism of Olivia Coleman's character. And I was just floored by it. I mean, it, it grabbed me. It's weird beyond belief like you've never seen anything like this before i've been telling people um, is it is if stanley kubrick directed mean girls that's yeah that's, the best that's way a, i've been describing it okay. literally a perfect explanation for it if, if you could imagine kubrick doing mean girls that's exactly that, that's perfect way to explain it because like i i don't know i was floored by it i think people should give it a chance uh it's shot on film and the 35 millimeter looks amazing these these lenses can i Make a confession, because maybe I'm ignorant to this, and I feel like an idiot, because I didn't know this. So, when I was watching this film, the first question I had when I got out of the film was, if these shots were so wide and so tall, where were the microphones? Um, I was under the impression, and forgive my ignorance, it makes me sound stupid, that there were boom mics, that that actors use boom mics when they're performing in a movie. So, for example, if two people were in a scene together, right, and the above frame... Uh, that's where I thought the boom mics were that that captured the audio of the dialogue the actors say. That's not what happens in movies. They all wear body mics. Yeah, that's and what I, I was going to say, body mics. I had no idea because I've actually been to films before where the projector or the theater didn't cut off the yeah. aspect ratio correctly. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you can see the yeah. boom mic yeah. sink into the shot. So when I sat down with Rachel Weisz and um, Emma Stone for this film, they were like, no, 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 we wore body mics. And they were apparently, remember their corsets are so tight that when they would move, the body mic would like rub against the shirt or mm. the dress somehow. And Yorgos does never does ADR. He does not allow his actors to do ADR. He hates it. So they had to get every line perfectly on set somehow with a body mic. And I, I so forget what I've got to be with you. I did not know actors wore did body mics. Not I thought know it was that. All, boom. And Rachel Weiss was like, oh, no, it's a common thing in, in cinema. I'm like, really? I thought this was all boom mic That's why I was, like, blown away by it. When you see the movie, you'll see how tall these the shots are. They're pretty cool. So I loved it. I, I, it's my top ten of the year. I love the favorite. All right. And I walked out of it. Um, we started a conversation <laughs> last week about filmmakers who get the best performances out of their uh, actors. We are running out of time. So Gabe's telling us we have to cut this or Buster Scruggs. Which one do you want to cut? Buster well, why don't we just – Buster Scruggs. You want to cut Scruggs? Oh, I want to fight about Scruggs. Oh, like why, well, why don't we do this? It's ten twenty-five. Yeah, uh, not not to give timing for people listening to our podcast. They we don't care. Roughly, they, they tw- care, but they don't care. We have roughly uh, fifteen minutes left. Why don't we take three minutes real fast and just name the director we think gets the best performances, and then go to Buster Scruggs? Cool. Gabe's I'll do that. that. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So Gabe Jake, says go. yes. Uh, I would have said Quentin Tarantino. Because I hear, I hear an actor signs on for him, and I go, holy crap, we're about to see a side of this person we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I agree. I mean, either that or Kevin Smith for me. Because I always, I, always um, I always found the performances he grabbed from like people like Matt Damon and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Just, I just always felt like he had fun with these big-time actors before they became like really huge. Like the Ben Afflecks of the world, Jason Lee's, th- things like that. But Tarantino, uh, I think, is hands down the best. Because Tarantino has 
think about the stories that have come out of these actors. So Travolta's career was dead right before Pulp Fiction. Completely revitalized his career, if, uh, if, if that's the right assumption. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <clears throat> Sam Jackson's best performance of all time is in Pulp Fiction. Most of these actors that are in Quentin Tarantino films, and I think Jake would agree, Christoph, their best performance obviously. ever is in, the, is in a Tarantino I, I think DiCaprio's best performance is in Django. Uh, I would probably go Wolf of Wall Street for that one, but that's, I mean, I'm going to argue that Brad Pitt's been in better movies than Glorious Bastards. Has given yeah. better performances. So, so I, the rule doesn't fit for everybody, but it fits for a lot of people, I think. Who's yours, Sean? I wanted to pick an actor who had transitioned to directing because I just think that actors who transition to directors do they just do better. They speak the same language. They know what they're going for. But once I saw Paul Thomas Anderson, I couldn't move off Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, that's a Paul good Thomas answer. Anderson that's a really good is, answer. The performances in all of his movies are genius performances. Yeah. And the one that yeah. I go back I – mean, so every time Philip Seymour Hoffman works with him, obviously. And not just Philip Seymour Hoffman, but like everything that Philip Seymour Hoffman does in different PTA movies. Yeah. Uh, he's wildly like across the board. Obviously, Daniel Day-Lewis. But I landed on Sandler. Like look what he got out of Adam Sandler. Yeah, I was Punch just going to say Sandler and Punch Drunk Love. Yes, Punch Drunk is such a genius film. And I just think Paul Thomas Anderson, I think that at, at the heart of his films, he cares the most about performance – and he also gives as much uh, attention to the production value and the direction and the editing and the score and everything goes into it. But I think he starts at performance. And so I think he gets amazing performances like Joaquin Phoenix in Inherent Vice. Even if you don't like Inherent Vice, what Joaquin Phoenix is doing is fascinating. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. It's going to keep people riveted to the screen. So PTA, PTA is a good one, actually. I'm, 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 uh, That's a great I one. I mean, they're, they're both great. Um, yeah. So, yeah. They're fantastic. Right. Uh, Buster Scruggs. So the ballad of Buster Scruggs uh, landed on Netflix and opened in a few theaters. Did it open limited? Yes. Did we know? It did play yeah. a few theaters. Yeah. If you haven't seen it yet, I would advise that you sort of bounce away right now. Uh, maybe pull it up on Netflix and come back to the podcast, right? I wish I'd seen it in theaters. I really wish I'd seen it in theaters. <laughs> it, Wait, we don't, we don't have to go spoiler on this, do we have to? Uh, I mean, I kind of think we have to talk a little bit in depth about it's, it. Okay, all right, it's out. I mean, it, it, I guess that makes sense. It's already out there. It's fair game. Um, yeah. Jake, you start because you've watched it like two times in I've a row. I've watched it three times now. Wow, okay. I love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, I've tried ranking the six stories, and every time I try ranking them, they all come up different. I love them all for different reasons. I feel uh, such a wide variety of emotions. I'm dying laughing at some parts. I'm disturbed in some parts. Uh, I feel hopeful and, and uh, about love in some parts. In other parts, I, I just think that just the world sucks. It's just a wide range of emotions. Um, I think they get really cool performances. Uh, I think Tim Blake Nelson is amazing as the title character. Yeah. Uh, love that song. Um, would probably be championing that song for um, for best original song at the Oscars if it weren't uh, a Star Is Born kind of year. But uh, I just really just loved everything about it, and it's uh, got a guaranteed spot on my top ten list. So, what if you if you had to gun to your head pick the best segment? What would you say it is? I think I think my favorite's Buster Scruggs. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting, um, Kevin. <clears throat> I don't know where you fall on this. You have not mentioned anything in the text chain. Oh. I really liked it a lot. I uh, I was um, I was kind of in a negative mindset on it because of your opinion on it. Because I remember you didn't particularly care for it. So um, and I, you and I have very I mean we all have very similar tastes, but there are always times where we differ from each other, which is great. Um, Scruggs, I thought was very well done. I mean I I and I'm with Jake. I wish I could have seen it in the theater. I um, 
It, it's one of the most beautifully shot films I've seen in a long time. And, and Deacons didn't shoot this one. I, I can't remember the gentleman's name who shot this, but um, it is. And Ca- Carter Burwell's score is just unbelievable. And Burwell's been doing their scores for a long time. And um, it's interesting, by the way, I have only I interviewed the Coen brothers uh, for Hail Caesar. And I, and I was I was looking at the cover for Ballad or uh, Buster Scruggs, the um, the poster. And it said written and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. And I, and I remember to ask. I remember I asked them a question at Hail Caesar and I couldn't remember what they said. So I went back and listened to the interview about why. Why certain Coen Brothers movies are just directed by one of them? So like they were, you know, if you ever look at a Coen Brothers movie, I think Fargo is directed by just by but Joel. What, Cohen. Isn't it a wasn't it like a union thing or a DGA no. thing? It was just uh, I can't remember. Their answer was every one of the films was directed by both of us, but I think it was something to do with credits. No, it's something to do with putting one of them up as a producer. And then one of them is a director. But I, but um, but I he, thought that came from there was a period of time where they were the DGA wouldn't let there be two directors, which is why uh, Rodriguez dropped out because he wanted Sin City to be directed by himself and Frank Miller. And they said no. So that's why he oh. dropped out of the DGA. But what about uh, um, Ryan no, the, Fleck and Anna Bowden, who did uh, Half Nelson, and they're doing Captain no, Marvel now together? I mean, like, but that was—I mean, all those were after. I, I think it's been—it's obviously been changed since because both the right. Coens won the Oscar for Best Director for No Country for Old Men, so it's been—it's been, it's been right. adjusted. But I think—I like think that's just an issue within the last ten or fifteen years. This is where I'm, I'm going to push back, and I'm stunned, Kevin, that you uh, single out how this looks because to me, this looked the most digitally shot Coen Brothers movie that I've ever seen. Like, it didn't look like... And, and to me, like, what, what the reason why I don't like Buster Scruggs as much as you guys do is because it feels like... Te- it felt like television to me, all every single uh, segment. And I, I know because they originally conceived this as a long-form TV series. Did they, though? Because these- I read that they didn't. I read that that, that, that wasn't true. No, that's... That, it was... I believe it was for Hulu or Amazon... And they were always going to make it a six-part series. And I, I, some of these stories feel like they need to be longer. And, Jake, I'm, the one I'm going to argue with you is the last story, which is the people in the stagecoach yeah. heading to that hotel. That story sucks. <sighs> then nothing happens in that story. That's Okay, here's what I'll tell you. That's a better story when you rewatch it. When you know where they're going, it's a better story. Okay. The only one that I'm going to argue that, that feels – Complete is the girl who got rattled. Like that to me hits all the beats of a Cohen story because it's melancholic. It has a surprise ending. Yeah, it's, that to me is the best one of them. But and, I and that was long like, enough. And the gold mail. digger. Yeah, yeah. I liked Buster Scruggs, but my problem with some of the stories were the was the incomplete nature of some of them. I can't remember. Um, and here's the thing: I'm not. I'm not against. Uh, films leaving open ended, sure. but when you when you spend twenty twenty five minutes with with a character in a in a segment of a of a two and a half hour film and nothing happens in that particular segment of the story, it is a bit frustrating. But I will say this: there are to me the movie the positives of that film outweigh the negatives. I mean, I, I don't think it's top ten for me, but I really 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 liked Buster Scruggs, and I, and I actually would highly recommend seeing it. I mean, especially the first segment, like Jake was saying. 
that story is awesome. I got the, the, him singing, him riding into town. It has one duels. of the funniest deaths. <laughs> him kicking anyone the table. Has, yeah, anyone has ever seen. I mean, it's just hysterical. It's it, it, it's good. I mean, and, and like by the way, is this the first time Franco has had a movie out since his controversy? Or no, wasn't there another one? That came out. I don't like know. After. He always does such weird things that I mean, I never really. Yeah. Know. I don't know if he's on a I soap mean, opera or like a local community theater else. play. I mean, I don't know. I can't keep up with what he's doing these days. He had a controversy after Disaster Artist. I mean, Disaster Artist oh. was just last year. Oh yeah, dude. He had the whole the whole the me the Me Too movement element that went into James Franco. He was remember he was like award season. He was like going to be nominated, and all of a sudden, it, oh, a then story this is the first thing since then. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I mean, like Jake, you remember there was a yeah, whole yeah, but it was, yeah, but it's what derailed his his disaster artist uh, yeah. Oscar campaign. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, so yeah. I, I I called uh, Buster Scruggs a meager a meager addition to the Cohen's filmography. Wow, I know. I oh, I, don't, I was not I was not impressed. I don't think it's near. I got, like look like, if you're looking at Cohen Brothers classics, like my my favorite is Blood Simple. And then when you, you go down to Fargo, Big Lebowski, Raising Arizona, I don't think it's on that no level country. at all. No, it's, it's, no, it's nowhere near those But okay, let's say if movies. you had to divide it into two, and let's say on one side you've got Fargo, Lebowski, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou in one category, and the other side you've got Lady Intolerable Killers. Cruelty, Lady Killers, which yeah. it kills me to say that, that Tom Hanks made a bad Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> a bad one. There were Buster Scruggs would be in the better category. Buster Scruggs would be on the better category. I agree yeah, with even, you. even with its yes. faults, I still put it in that better category. Oh, it's definitely not on the Intolerable Cruelty, no, um, no. that angle. Uh, what's the Lady, yeah, Lady Killers, like you Lady mentioned. But, oh, but I know we got to move on, but I do want to mention real fast because I, I watched mid-90s. Um, uh, highly recommended if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's shot four by three. Uh, very cool storyline. Took me back to the 90s very, very much so. Uh, I think Jonah Hill had crafted incredibly deep characters within a, within an 85-minute film um, that just really sang. And I really want to see it again because I want to spend more time with these characters. Um, the skating element, I, I skated as a kid, so it spoke to me personally. Um, I, I just was really kind of blown away by the film. Like, the tracking shots in this movie are incredible. Like, you have... Literal tracking shots with a super 16 millimeter camera shooting four by three, whatever they're doing, going up a street in traffic as the skateboards are coming towards you with, you know, and this is the 90s. So all the cars had to be set the right way. You're talking about dozens of cars going both ways in traffic. One single tracking shot skateboarders coming at the camera. I mean, it's pretty cool what he did. And the music is amazing. So you think Jonah Hill is going to be a director? Like he's he's great. I mean, it's I saw an interview with him on Fallon. Uh, for this movie, which after I watched the film, I watched the interview. I'm like, that's exactly what happened. Like he said in the interview, I've been working as an actor for 15 years. And I've always wanted to be a writer and director. And I got to work with the greatest of all time and watch them work and learn like film school, how I was going to direct movies. Mm-hmm. So he worked with, I mean, who did he work with? Everybody, right? Scorsese. I mean, Scorsese. The did he work brothers, with, yeah. I mean, Tarantino. You're, it, Tarantino exactly. So, yeah. I mean, this film is really well done. Now, here's the thing. I can see someone not liking it. Um, there's some questionable things in the film that I think maybe people might be um, weirded out by, but I just thought it was 
I thought oh, it was. Really... I know what you're talking about. Someone yeah. mentioned that to me. I, I've yeah. heard some things too, which make yeah. me go like, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this. If, if it's the scene that I'm referring <laughs> it's short, to, right? It's like 80. Isn't it like 80 minutes? Yeah. yeah that. But if if it's the scene you're thinking of, that was a bit of a like. I was like, ooh, this is kind of weird. But yeah. um, does but, it make uh, your top ten? Right now, it's possibly could crack my top ten, but do you, I don't know. Do you know how many times the three of us will say that to each other yeah. <laughs> in the course of the next six weeks? And you know what's so, frustrating is that um, we put so much emphasis on our top ten that I feel like because of that, and it's our fault, I'd argue, that yeah. whenever someone asks me, is it going to make your top ten, and I say no, they go, <laughs> oh, like you didn't you like it. You hated it. it. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. like, no. Like, yeah. like someone asked me, like, like I saw, yeah. I saw, um, well, I can't say. Um, I saw a movie recently. And, and and very much liked it, and it's it's it, you know it's it's making a lot of people's top ten list, and it's going to be a, uh, an awards contender for a lot of people. It's not going to make my top ten list, and I told someone that, and they go, "Oh, you didn't like it," and I go, "No," yeah. but you know that's our fault because we do put so much emphasis on top tens. Kevin mm-hmm. has like eighty four different movies, and it's top I 10. do all at number one. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, um, Sean just uh, uh, I, I just got an email from Netflix, Sean They want to use a quote of yours on the poster For Buster oh. Scruggs yeah. and, and, it, and, it, and it's going to say The Ballad of Lackluster Scruggs <laughs> Sean O'Connell <laughs> Cinemablend.com <laughs> That's it and, and, it, and the Coens approved it oh, they're, they're, they're listening right now Even though we're not live This is, this I, is London all over again I've heard that Koran is going to put uh, beautiful dog shit <laughs> on Roma. By the way, can I say, can I, let me say one thing. So we all have this great text message chain. It's my favorite thing ever. Like Sean, Jake, and Dave and I are on it. And um, when you see Roma, you'll you'll see that dog poop is a very big um, visual metaphor. It's, it's a character. A lot. It's actually a character. And I'm not kidding. It's, it's a actually character. a character in the film. Dave doubts not, this, but it's true. not. That's not meant to be a joke. It's actually a part of the film. Um, so today we, we we all got like a Roma um, a book in the mail, and <laughs> I get out of I, I get out of Vice, and I'm like leaving the theater, and I pull my phone up, and it's just a photo. Uh, I can't say what it was, but something something from the book. <laughs> Wait, is this the, is this the picture that I said? Is that game? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 it's a naked guy. <laughs> when I got home, I opened the book up and I found the dog poop, and I, I just like send it. I, I love that we do that. I don't know; it's funny, but it's very anyways, funny. very funny to us because we've seen Roma a couple of times, <laughs> and we're idiots. Um, all right, Stallone. Blood. Nobody gonna... will ever film dog poop as sure. beautifully as Alfonso Cuarón. Jake, you even have to agree with that, <laughs> dude. Alexa, that, sixty-five that millimeter, whole little <laughs> miniature plot point frustrated me to no end. Frustrated <laughs> me. We're laughing, but no it's actually awesome. Like the movie is brilliant, and like no, we're, we're just because no, it is not. funny to say that no, nobody's not. ever photographed dog poop as beautifully as Alfonso Cuarón. I mean, that, that, that's awesome. Coming out of Creed two, we decided to play Stallone blend. Uh, everybody had amazing picks on social media. We'll get to audience picks in a second. I've been told that Kevin, you get to go first again. We yes! are playing our favorite Stallone uh, movie performance. Yes, I, uh, I guess make the argument when you're when you're making your case. But Kevin, you get to go first. I'm going my favorite Stallone film. So um, now listen, Stallone, Rocky. Uh, you know, wherever you want to go, Rambo, those are, those are classics and clearly better than the choice I've made. 
but I have a very personal connection to Demolition Man. Yes. Um, which I I just love Demolition Man, and I remember I just love the scene with him and Sandra Bullock riding in the car, and she explains to him that all restaurants are now Taco Bell, <laughs> and, I, and, like, and then they go to a fancy Taco Bell restaurant and sit down and have waiters and things like that. But it's also uh, the movie that has my favorite, probably my favorite Stallone one-liner, um, which was very because growing up, Schwarzenegger was my favorite actor as a kid so his one-liners were always brilliant to me so i always thought that this one-liner was kind of an homage to the way to the way uh, Sw- uh, arnold would do his one-liners and it's the scene at the end when uh and, he, and he's coming down on a swing and he says like heads up and he kicks his head off his head and it just like bursts into like a million pieces it was very similar to the frozen element that t-1000 goes into when before the hasta la vista moment in terminator 2 um Listen, Demolition Man isn't a great film by any means, but it's just a movie that spoke to me as a kid only because Taco Bell is my favorite fast food restaurant. My wife and I went to Taco Bell for our first date. We had it at our wedding. It's my favorite thing ever. I love Taco Bell. And the fact that Taco Bell is the only restaurant available in Demolition Man is pretty awesome. And then having Stallone say Taco Bell is pretty awesome. So oh, how I wish you were able to go to that exhibit at Comic-Con. I know, man. I love Taco, it Taco, when Taco each Bell. of us saw that exhibit. We thought, oh, Kevin. <laughs> I know. Why can't Kevin be at this? You got to watch the uh, the heads up moment. It's such a great sequence. And, and actually, it's funny. I sent Gabe my pick. And Gabe was like, "Oh, I was just watching. I was just watching a scene from that film as you texted me. Like that's how was. good Demolition Man's awesome, man. It's great. It is. I almost uh, went. So I got to go next. Um, I almost went Cobra. Ooh, so I love Cobra so much. Marion Cobretti is just the greatest. Um, if I'm doing best, it's one of the Rocky movies. Obviously, Copland is fantastic. But because I'm picking favorite, my favorite genre of all time is the buddy cop movie." I cannot get enough of a well-done buddy cop movie. Uh, and when you pair people perfectly in a buddy cop movie, it, it will be on my Desert Island Disc choices forever. So my choice is Tango and Cash. Oh, yes! Nice. Because Stallone and Kurt Russell together are brilliant. Kurt Russell, first off, is so underrated um, as, as just a person and an actor and a man. <laughs> He's incredible. And yeah. the fact that they got Stallone to play the buttoned up straight guy to Kurt Russell's crazy manic, you know, you always have to have an odd couple in a, in a buddy cop scenario and um, their pairing together is fantastic. And they have also one of my favorite things that they do in buddy cop movies, which happens every once in a while is when the guys get imprisoned and have to figure a way to get out of prison and fight their way out from people that they've locked up. Tremendous scene. Uh, but just the chemistry between those two guys is so amazing. Tango Cash, absolutely one of the best standout buddy cop movies. And uh, if I have to put a Stallone movie in for anybody who's maybe never seen like any of his films outside of the Rocky yeah. movies, I'm, I'm putting Tango and Cash in. Oh, you know, that's a great, um, what a great way. Because, you know, as, as we've done these blend games, we've talked about, okay, how are we quantifying this? Are we doing it like the best movie that they're in? Are we doing it like their best performance? That's a great, another great quantification is like if you had to explain to an alien who this actor is, what movie do you put in to explain them? Boy, if it's Stallone, I, st- I still think you're putting in one of the Rocky movies. Maybe Rambo. But, yeah, I don't know. Cliffhanger, like cliffhanger, does he has so many good movies. That's why, I, well, that's why I love doing this one. Jake, you thought this was a limited choice. I what did. did you go with? Um, I ended up going with, and I feel a little basic, um, but I went with Creed. 
No kidding. And the reason I went with Creed is because Rocky is my favorite character of his. In fact, Rocky is one of my all-time favorite characters, period. Okay. Um, I love Rocky. I grew up on Rocky. Uh, I grew up on the Rocky movies. Um, Creed, it he took a character that I loved and humanized him beyond belief. He wow, took yeah. he he took this this character who was for me this man up on a on a cinematic pedestal, a man who could not be broken, a man who could not be beaten. Even when even when he was down, he wasn't down because he used it as an opportunity to stand back up, and it humanized him. And it reminded me that we're all people, that we're all mm. like, he ended up getting cancer. And growing up as a kid, I never thought there was a universe where Rocky got cancer. Like, that that doesn't happen. Like, he's Rocky, right. you know? Right. And the fact that he was willing to do that, to take his legacy and really remind us that, hey, at the, like, this happens to everybody. Like, you know, we all, we all are going to die someday. It really, I thought, was a really brave choice of his, and it made me respect him as a person. It made me respect him as an actor because Rocky is, is I would argue, yes, he has Rambo and uh, he's got the first Blood series, but like Rocky is his legacy. And the fact that, I mean, that, that couldn't have been an easy decision for him to, to want to do that and also to step aside to stand in the shadow of Michael B. Jordan. And I just think like whenever I first saw that performance, I just thought like, this this reminds me of why not only why I love this character but why I love this man. It's my favorite of his characters and it's my favorite portrayal of that character. Great choice, great choice, dude. I'm gonna argue. So I just saw Creed two last night because I was late to the game and seeing it. And I I think all of the Rocky scenes to me are just more emotional and and significant yeah. than anything with Adonis Creed and and Bianca. And no, it's no disrespect to them, but I'm I have such a vested interest in Rocky that to me the the most compelling scene in all of Creed two was Drago in Adrian's restaurant and Rocky having to go yes. over and sit across from him. I was hoping I was for a like, little bit more from that, actually. Agreed. Not, not from that scene, but like more scenes with them. Well, wait, more wait, of wait Sean, yeah. Sean, a creed? You said agreed. He <laughs> <laughs> said agreed. So yeah, I said agreed. <laughs> uh, you said agreed, yes. Next week's blend game. Um, uh, so I'm throwing this out there and then a really quick debate because we're running out of time. Yes, uh, Gabe, check your messages because Kevin has a question he wants to ask you. The blend game for next week is Eastwood Blend. Hashtag Eastwood Blend. Now, do we do Eastwood as a director, Eastwood as an actor, or both? I, I say we pick both. I'm talking the- about Scott Eastwood, by the way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Pacific Rim 2. Pacific Rim 2, for sure. I, I would argue Uprising. that we pick his best work. Whether his best work is a performance or if yeah. his best work is is directing. But we only, I argue, we only pick one movie. Okay. That's, that's my preference. Yeah, So, but, but anything's fair game. Like something he acted in but, but didn't direct, fair game. I mean, yeah. As long as yeah, as, it's as long as he's. I mean, if if your your favorite of his is um, Mr. Or something Kruger, he directed, like what if it's American Sniper? If he directed it, but he's yeah, not in it. Yeah, like if you think that's the best thing that he's done in his career is directing American Sniper, then that's your pick, or your, okay. if that's your favorite thing that he's done. Kevin, fair on board. So, so it's the favorite thing he's ever been involved in. Yes. Yes. Okay. All yes. right. Scott Eastwood next week. <laughs> Scott Eastwood. That's a great one. Fast and Furious 8. Yes. This has been Real Blend episode number 46. Uh, Oh, audience picks for Stallone. So Andy Erickson uh, agreed with Jake and said Creed 
Adam Frazier, a very good friend of mine, uh, who's a big, big Stallone proponent, went with over the top. I see Ooh, Kevin yeah. keeps turning his hat backwards and forwards. Reminds me of uh, Stallone getting ready to arm wrestle. Carrie Ellen Case, our beloved Carrie Ellen Case, said Rocky. Um, great choice. Can't go wrong with Rocky. Um, we are all heading in, out into uh, the world for different junkets. Um, so we will convene next week when we're going to be able to go through. We have a lot of titles that we didn't even get to this week. I know we want to talk about things like um, Suspiria and Can You Ever Forgive Me and just awards contenders that we're trying to catch up with. Uh, we'll be able to talk at length about some of these other films. I think Embargo will lift on movies like um, Aquaman and potentially Vice. They're still trying to figure out the Vice thing. So we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Uh, and in addition, all the December movies are coming. So until then, you can follow us on Twitter at RealBlend, R-E-E-L-B-L-E-N-D. Jake is at Jake's Takes. Kevin's at Kevin McCarthy TV. I'm at Sean underscore O'Connell. Uh, we will hopefully be back on the Facebook Live next week when we do this. And so make sure you give us a review and a star rating and a follow on all of our social media platforms. And until next week, Dunkirk, Maryland, Dunkirk, Maryland. Dunkirk, Maryland. (laughs) This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.